Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dan Wiederer. I mean, the dude is a tone setter, and that's undeniable. And I don't even think Ryan Poles and anyone in that front office would deny that. On-air contributor for 670 The Score. I'm really excited to be part of the family. I can't wait to do it all year. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer. Flat-footed is what happens here at Hell's Hall way too often. Co-host of the Take the North podcast. We're going to take the North and never give it back. With our own David Hall. David, that's a, a lengthy description on the high-powered microscope that Matt Eberflus uses to judge his football team on a daily basis. And I think this is more than just a bunch of letters. Dan Wiederer with Mully and Haw on 670 The Bear down. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Dan Wiederer joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Dan, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? You know, we're uh, we're wondering about the Bears. We're wondering specifically <laughs> about their run defense and couldn't help but notice that, uh, that uh, Kyrus Tonga was uh, signed by Minnesota, so now they're going to know all the secrets of the hits principle. It's a little disturbing to think that he can tell them how to run the football right at the Bears. Yeah, that's high-level espionage there being done by the Vikings <laughs> to get all those secrets and, and be able to to tap into that. But yeah, I mean, look, this is another week where they're going to have to figure out a way to be be sturdier up front, and this might be the first offense they've faced this season that has the level of balance and and sort of uh, can beat you in both ways with the pass and the run. Uh, Green Bay would come close, but you obviously got them uh, in week two when they were still figuring out a lot of things in their passing game. All right, Dan, so good column in the Tribune about Lugetzi's contribution to this offense in limiting Justin Fields and what role that plays because I think that there's – Beyond the debate about where Justin Fields is in his development is the role this conservative approach has, has, has played in maybe putting a cap on his potential. And I think that there's a balancing act. And it gets he's trying to walk a very fine line. But how would you look at the, that you know, overall game plan and play calling and what that has done to keeping the passing game as limited as it is? I don't like the word conservative. I'll tell you that. I mean, there are instances within games that that are a little bit more on the conservative end. But when you watch these these games, particularly the one Sunday in New York, it's not a conservative approach. It's an offense that's failing in every way. They don't they don't 
pass protect. They don't have receivers that can make plays down the field. They've got a quarterback that's struggling. Uh, play caller isn't having perfect games, but I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's too easy of a fallback excuse to say it's too conservative. And that's why they're not producing in the passing game. There's a lot of factors going into this. And there are a lot of opportunities within all these games, many, which I documented uh, in, in the column that you just mentioned that where the bears are just failing, that it's just player execution failure that then gets sort of pinned on the offensive coordinator because the guys that he has running the plays can't do the things they're asked to do. And you don't get opportunities to throw the ball downfield because either the quarterback holds it or he throws it down the field and a guy drops it on the sideline or he throws it too short and it short hops into his receiver. I mean, there's just, there's a lot more player execution problem here than there is issues with the play calling. I also think the guy's done a remarkable job with these scripted plays, right? He, he comes out, with a game plan in every game where they march down the field, they march down and score uh, against uh, against Green Bay, against Houston. They get a field goal last week. Um, I I think the scripted plays are working. I just don't know what happens after the adjustments come in. Well, the problem is, is you just have nothing that is giving you any confidence, right? And that's right. all across the board here. And listen, I had conversations this week with a handful of NFL folks or, or people previously tied to the league over text and over the phone. And, he, and let me give you a sampling of some of the words about Justin that none of us want to hear. Uncomfortable, predetermining, difficulty processing, regression. These are all things that other people have said about what they're seeing in the way Justin Fields is playing right now. And I think the ultimate concern is that there may be more bad habits forming right now than good. And that's where you kind of start to put yourself on a slippery slope covered in Vaseline because it's hard to, it's hard to reverse that when you start creating bad habits that then create failures that then create more bad habits and then create more failures. I'll tell you what else has contributed and has bothered me a little bit in the last couple of weeks, especially Darnell Mooney, give him credit for getting going a little bit and everything is relative in this passing offense. But twice, I think it is now that he, we have heard from him and he's candid and would love that. And he's got a great personality and he's got the jugs gun, uh, a jugs machine, you know, it's portable, it's transferable, whatever. I have heard him talk about running the wrong route a couple times. And I know that this communication is something that we spent the offseason celebrating and the rapport is something that, you know, I'm going to get to the, it was to the complex earlier than you are. No, I'm going to stay later than you are. Why can't they get on the same page if they have been working so long on getting on the same page? Well, you mentioned running the wrong route, and, and, and sometimes it's running the right route at the wrong timing, and there's been more than just the two examples. I think Darnell has probably fessed up to about four errors in that regard, and some of the coaches have, have picked out one or two others. And so you say, man, that can't be happening from your number one receiver. And so now it's up to you as a coaching staff to diagnose why. Is there too much in this playbook right now that is piled on these guys' plate and they just haven't been able to – to digest it all yet because it's early in the season and it's early in an offense. Are there other things going, going wrong to, to create some of the, the mental confusion? Darnell uh, talked the other day about hearing a, a formation in the huddle that uh, caused him to do something he wasn't supposed to do. He's supposed to run a route. He stayed into chip and you say, well, was that something that in the huddle was called wrong by the quarterback where he flipped the formation or, or said something wrong? So there's a lot of questions to ask on why this thing isn't clicking right now. And the bears don't have the luxury of, of time right now. I like before we came into the season, we said that they weren't coming into a situation where the outside world was going to have the patience that is usually afforded to new coaching staffs and young quarterbacks, right? Because this city and this fan base and, and even the analysts within it are so scarred 
by what we've experienced over the past decade, past two decades, past three decades, that the patience is, is, is way less than it's ever been. And the bears have to deal with that because at two and two and with the passing game struggling the way it is, you know, what has happened this week. There's been sort of the, the avalanche of, of worry and concern and criticism. This segment with Dan Wiederer is brought to you by old national bank where relationships and results matter. Get old. And Dan, um, you know, it's fascinating really to think about what your choices are here. If you're, either calling plays for Minnesota or trying to defend that those plays that are called. Obviously, the wide receiver is a really good player. Thielen's yeah. a really good player, too. They got a quarterback that that uh, does very good on Sunday at noon and is a guy that um, has, been, has shown up. He's only missed a few games since he signed that massive contract, so he'll be there. The running back mm-hmm. creates a massive issue for you. Do they have to just concentrate on stopping the run so that other teams don't keep attacking that? Or do they try to figure out what the hell they're going to do without Jalen Johnson and against Jefferson? Yeah, if Jalen Johnson is not able to go this week, you've got some major issues because Justin Jefferson can kill you. He can kill you. And I don't think you can load up like they did against the Giants, unsuccessfully, by the way, in trying to Mm -hmm. just stop the run because you've got nobody – uh, in the opposing passing attack that scares you. Jefferson will, will absolutely murder you if you don't pay him the requisite attention. And so now you're taking away multiple bodies, right, to, to account for him on, on pretty much every play he's on the field. And the next thing you know, you've got gaping holes up the middle that the, the linebackers have to try to try to hold up and, and make some tackles on Dalvin Cook and Al- Alexander Madison and, and figure things out. And so this is a, a worrisome matchup in a lot of different ways. You look statistically, there's not a lot of things on either side of the ball that, that, that the Vikings do spectacularly, but you just mentioned a handful of names on the offensive side and there's more on the defensive side that are better playmakers than the Bears have, right? right. And this game comes down to playmakers. And so it's it's hard to see uh, sort of the opening for an upset for the Bears unless you circle the, the jet lag, right? The jet lag factor of the Vikings coming back from London and trying to get their bodies right for a quick turnaround. So last week we did the mirror image thing and we looked at the parallels between two teams with new general manager and a new head coach. This week it's the same thing, but it feels different. It doesn't feel like when you have – you look at O'Connell and you look at uh, Adolfo Mensa and you compare them to Eberflus and Poles – Dan, the Vikings seem farther ahead than the Giants and the Bears, and I guess that makes this maybe a less apt comparison. Would you agree? Well, remind me of this: was on the Take the North podcast, was Kevin O'Connell your Coach of the Year vote? Was am I no. correct on that, or you, you just no. picked them, you you picked you pick the Vikings to win the division? Though, I correct? did pick the Vikings to win the division. I okay, might so, have snuck that in. I'm not quite sure. I, so, I, if Kevin sure. O'Connell wins the division in his first year, he's certainly going to be in that conversation in December. Um, look, they're they're doing some things well, and they're finding ways to win games, right? Obviously, I think the the season opening win over the Packers was uh, kind of one of those eye openers where you said, "Boy, they really took care of business right away." Um, the, the win Sunday obviously requires a a, a double doink uh, triumph, right? You're on the on the right side of a double doink, and that saves you from going to overtime overseas. And 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 so it does feel like they've got momentum, right? And they've got again, they they that staff inherited a lot more on the talent and depth and established NFL production standpoint than this staff did. Right. And so now they're finding ways to use it effectively. And they've obviously hit in their stride more quickly. And and so now the bears have to try to keep up with that uh, coming off a week where I think everybody kind of was, was a little bit rattled and, and has been reeling since that loss in New York. 
Um, did we did did we learn anything at all fr- about going forward on fourth and two, uh, the the punt and pin thing? I was saying to David earlier in the program, I didn't have a real problem with it because the quarterback was out. I understood that that situation, you know, extend the game. A lot of coaches feel that way, but I wonder if maybe now they need to start going for it on fourth down in the red zone because you cannot keep kicking field goals and and you got to figure out a way to score touchdowns if you can't do it. Molly, I'm with you in that the, the, the decision itself didn't sort of shake me. I know some people were, were really against it. Um, and kind of, I was kind of 50, 50 on it. I do think that if you, if you zoom out and look at it, you say, boy, you know, at some point you have to hope that your offense makes a play. And so the idea of trying to go for it on fourth and two from midfield is certainly one that, that if that had been green light, I don't think anyone would have killed them for it. Right. And, and Matt talked Monday about just trying to, to have the balance between gut and analytics and, and, and trying to have that feel and, and acknowledging that they haven't been perfect, you know, through the first month of the season and, and just trying to find uh, ways to navigate that more smoothly. But, but at some point you have to figure out uh, what it's going to take to trust your offense to get, short yards, right? Like fourth and two inside the red zone, whatever it may be, you have to find trust and they don't have it right now. And I think it's justifiable why they don't have it, but eventually you got to discover it because otherwise you're just a mess and and, and you're going to finish games with 12 points and no touchdowns more often than not. The balance that we have, you know, sought, I think in the red zone, they had nine plays there against the giants. And I think that they had five runs and five, four passes. So you're getting that, but is it is it still a situation where you know you you'd like to see them set up? You, why aren't they using play action more? Why aren't they rolling the pocket more? Are, are, it's not necessarily the passes that are called; it's what they do with the passes that are called. Well, some of that was in there. Some of that was in there. It's just again, it's not executed properly. I think when you get down in the red zone, you have to figure out who your playmakers are, right? And I, I, I've talked for years about the the absolute fun of watching Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams work inside the red zone because it was like, I don't care what defense you play, we've got something here, right? And we're going to force feed Devontae Adams down here, and he's going to score twenty nine touchdowns, and I'm going to win two MVP awards because we know who we are. Now, those are two elite playmakers. The Bears aren't anywhere close to having that kind of talent, but you have to figure out who you have that you can use to, to make plays down there. If Darnell Mooney is your best receiver, find some plays in your playbook that, that highlight him. If you believe Cole Komet can be the weapon you said he was going to be uh, in July and August, and hey, by the way, I, I took that bait and said he's going to be a playmaker for you, and so far I've been wrong, then highlight Cole Komet down in the red zone and figure out ways to, to get that unlocked in the passing game. And then obviously, you know, I think people are, are, are getting really upset that they're, they're running the ball too frequently. Well, we've all spent a month saying, what's the strength of this football team? It's the ability to run the ball, right? And, and so you can't then kind of flip the script on them and say, well, why are you relying on, your, on, on the strength of your team in key moments? And, and when it doesn't work, we're going to kill you for it, even though it's the strength of your team and we've all confirmed and established it's the strength of your team. Well, I, I mean, the, the nightmare for the Bears is that they can't stop the run. They're the worst run defense in the league. And they, I believe there were only three teams that have more sacks uh, – fewer yeah. sacks. I mean, so they can't get to the quarterback and they can't stop the run. Other than that, they're <laughs> playing phenomenal defense. Right. Well, and the Giants knew that they didn't even really need to protect the quarterback last week because they had no receivers to throw to. And so they were just going to go with a, a, a run heavy right. uh, game plan. And, and the Bears knew that too. And it was, it was a 
Let's put it all on the table. Here, we're going to stick the stick the ball in Saquon's gut 31 times. Wow. See what you can do with it. And they didn't do anything with it, right? They, they let him run for 146. They let Daniel Jones get out for 68 and two touchdowns. And all of a sudden, you come back and you say, boy, we're just not uh, talented enough or, or efficient enough or disciplined enough to handle the, the, the most basic top priority assignment that was put on our plate. All right, Dan, so – when they signed Michael Schofield and when they signed Riley Reef uh, on the eve of training camp, I think it was deemed as insurance. And I don't look now, but the roof is leaking. And, and, <laughs> and I think that I wonder what is their purpose if not to be used in situations like the Bears are facing where they can't protect the quarterback and that, that inability to protect that quarterback is limiting and affecting his development. Well, this well, so that that's the question you have to answer is is how much of an upgrade would either of those guys provide? And I would say minimal based on what we saw in training camp in the preseason over what's out there and and not losing sight of the big picture, which is to try to develop young talent, right? And obviously the most guy, most important guy that needs to be developed is Justin. And so every decision you make has to be uh, with an eye on how you stimulate that more than it's been stimulated through the first month of this season. At the same time, you're trying to identify guys that can be part of your your future, right? Guys that can be part of your next championship quality team. And Riley Reef and Michael Schofield aren't on that list. And so right now they're 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 backups, right? They're their insurance and their their emergency options if, if someone gets hurt. And there's going to have to be a reshuffling this week, obviously, with with uh, cutting out the guard rotation and and having both guards play opposite sides of Sam Mustafer and doing things that way. But I just I, I don't know that, that that there's anything there that would be more than just grasping for a, a desperation answer that doesn't really exist. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not even sure that they have, even with the rotation guys, that they have an answer at uh, at the other guard position. It was pretty ugly to see uh, Lucas Patrick moved over there and just steamrolled on the first play there. I mean, it was shocking, yeah. frankly. You would think yeah. he's played all these positions and they love him so much, and it was – you want to talk about exposed? I mean, yeah, he was, was on a, He looked like a he looked like a shopping cart. Yeah, I think it was, it was it was like wow, like they yeah. just literally got pushed back. And yeah. those are the types of things that create so much discomfort for your quarterback. And, and you know, you know, the last thing on the passing offense that I want to say is, you know, there's some people who say, you know, Justin took a step in the right direction, Sonny. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I I just can't get there. They scored 12 points. They lost to an injured and ordinary opponent. It's been a month now since he's thrown a touchdown pass, and 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 people will say, "Hey, you're being a hard grader." Well, yeah, because we're asking Justin Fields to do one of the hardest things in sports, and that's to play quarterback in the NFL at a high level. And so, if we're not grading him hard every single week, what are we doing, right? And 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 I just, I, I, even Matt Eberflus being so excited that they completed a couple 18-yard passes down the field, like we have to stop celebrating basic functionality as as some sort of achievement right like it's we got to stop with that this is this is something that's got to change if the bears are ever going to get out of this 30-year rut and so anyway just wanted to get that off my chest 30 seconds dan jalen johnson david montgomery anybody else that uh, you uh, can predict or project what their status will be at practice today well, Cairo Santos back. That's obviously a good thing. Uh, I wouldn't expect Montgomery to practice. I, I'd expect them to be doing some more stuff on the side, and we'll see if he can get cleared. I, I, maybe not this week, but the next week. Johnson, obviously, from what we talked about at the outset, is the one to keep uh, keep your eyes focused on because they need him to limit uh, Justin Jefferson. And it just seems like this thing is is uh, dragging out a little bit more than maybe we would have thought at the outset. And so the sooner he gets back on the field, the better. We'll see if it's today. 
Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Hey, they, they can take uh, the, the receiver off. Uh, today is the day, right, where they can bring Nikhil back. Harry, yeah, right. Yeah. He, is, he is now eligible to come off IR. But we'll find out. Any ideas? Have you seen him? Is he well, yeah, he's been, he's been around, and, and he's been in the locker room, and okay. he, he doesn't have any sort of noticeable limp okay. or anything. So I think things are trending in the right direction, and any answer at receiver is, is, is something you want to try, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, he's tall. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, All right, exactly. buddy. Thank Thanks, you. Dan. See you, fellas.